We celebrate you. Welcome to Lofty Heights Christian Center, a ministry that exists to raise kingdom influencers. As a church, we emphasize three things. The Word, the integrity of it and its ability to transform, the Holy Spirit, His power and demonstration of the same, and love. Love for God, for yourself, and for others. You are about to experience God's undiluted Word from God's servant. Get ready for a transformation. Uh, I know it's already raining healing here at um, Lofty Heights. I, 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 I'm so excited about the testimonies I've heard, and I know that so much more is going to happen. I bring you a word this morning um, as I get into God's word, uh, a, a slightly different perspective to the conversations so far, and it's born off uh, my conversation with Pastor Wally. And I trust God that it will bless you. I trust God that it will empower you. I trust God that it will set someone free. Hallelujah. All right, I'll ask that we open our Bibles this morning as we take a journey into my meditations as inspired by the Holy Spirit for this service. And I've titled this one, Free Indeed. Somebody declare, I am free indeed. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because this is my first time at Regina, and um, I was telling Pastor Wally that it's cold. He was he was laughing at me, like I've not seen anything yet. I know, <laughs> but it is cold. <laughs> Glory to God. Psalm 107, verse 20. Um, I want to encourage the guys on the pro presenter to please keep pace with me. I'm going to be going through quite a number of scriptures. Psalm 107. From verse 20, I'm reading the New Living Translation, Psalm 107, verse 20. The Bible says, he sent out his word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. He sent out his word and healed them, searching, snatching them from the door of death. It's interesting that when um, God would cause healing to manifest, what he did was to use the instrument of his word. The Bible says he sent his word. It was his word that he sent. And that's what delivered healing. Not only did the word deliver healing, it also snatched. It snatched those precious souls from the door of death. There's so much power in the word of God. And I want to start this morning by encouraging every single one of us that every time we have the opportunity to engage with the word of God, we must engage with great expectation. We must engage with great anticipation. Because the word of God is God. The word of God is God. It is as powerful as God himself being manifest. Is somebody listening to me this morning? The word of God is you cannot separate God from his word. And so where the word of God appears, God is present. The effect of the word of God is as powerful as God being physically present himself. And so he said here that he sent his word. Sending his word means he sent himself essentially and he healed them. As God's word comes to you this morning, healing will manifest in the name of Jesus. And so it's not every time that pastor must lay hands on you. It's not every time that, you know, you must have you know, physical touch to experience the healing power of God. As long as an, an atmosphere where the word of God is being taught, an atmosphere where the word of God is being expressed, healing is available. He says the word of God is so potent that it was able to snatch them from the door of death. That people who are at the precipice, people who are at the point of no return, they were at the point where they were going to be completely lost and not redeemable. The word of God was, was potent enough to snatch them from the door of death. Hallelujah. Let me build on that a little bit. In Acts chapter 14 from verse 8. Acts chapter 14 from verse 8. I'm reading the New Living Translation. Acts 14 from verse 8. The Bible says, While they were at Lystra. Please follow me very carefully. I'm laying the foundation this morning. And I trust the Holy Spirit to build this conversation as a, a wise master builder, to the extent that someone will be permanently transformed in the name of Jesus. It says, while they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man who was with crippled feet. 
Now follow me. This man was with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached, looking straight at him. Paul realized he had faith to be healed, so Paul called to him in a loud voice, stand up, and the man jumped to his feet and started walking. Now, the Bible describes this guy as someone who was with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, and he had never walked. He had been that way from birth, and he had never walked. And one of the things I've realized is that there are many times where um, it becomes difficult for people who have not never tasted certain experiences, who have never, um, you know, had the privilege to partake of certain experiences, to even have expectation. The Bible says this guy was crippled from birth. He had never walked. He never knew what it was like to walk. He had seen other people walk. He had seen other people, you know, um, move from place to place, but he had to be carried. He had been that way from birth. And there's a way that begins to impact the mind. I come today to speak to someone who has experienced some kind of handicap and has adjusted to that handicap to the extent that you are not even expecting change anymore. You know, there's a way you're crippled from birth. You've never worked. You just sort of, you just adjust to that reality and you sort of try to solve around the challenges without expecting that you ever walk again. This guy had settled into the life of a cripple. And there's, there are conditions that you might have lived with for most of your life, and you have sort of adjusted. You have sort of just um, developed coping mechanism. You have lowered your expectation. Um, you're not even pushing in that direction anymore. This guy was in that space. But the word of God is so powerful. The Bible says, Paul and Barnabas, they came upon this guy. He was sitting and listening to Paul preach. And as the word of God came, as the word of God came, suddenly it dawned on this guy, I can walk. It is a possibility. I don't, I don't have to continue to live like this. I don't have to continue to cope with this condition. There is a better experience. Someone said there is a better experience. You know, there are times when we try to sort of manage our expectation because we don't want God to disappoint us. How many people have been there before? I, I don't want to be disappointed again. Let me just manage my expectation. Let me make do with this. Let me be grateful for what I have. And so, we begin to make adjustments. There are many people who, and I'm going to get to that in a moment, there are many people who, when they were in their early teens or they, you know, they were in their early 20s, they had a dream, they had such great aspirations, they wanted to do so much. But, as the reality, in quotes, setting, we began to edit and review downwards our aspiration. Because suddenly we felt maybe these things are not realizable anymore. And so this guy was in that state where he had adjusted to this reality. But the word of God came through. And suddenly, he began to see possibilities. He began to reimagine his future. Praise the Lord. He began to grow in his confidence that God could actually turn that situation around. He began to get a reinforcement of his assurance that not only was God willing to heal him, but that God was also capable of healing him. And the Bible described that experience as, look at the way he put it, it said, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. As the word of God came, it got to a point, Paul realized this guy is now a believer. This guy now believes that he can be healed. He believes that this situation can be turned around. And at that instant, Paul called to him in a loud voice and the situation was turned around. The word of God has the capacity, you know, um, the manifestation of healing, the physical manifestation of healing is the conclusion of certain spiritual reordering that has happened in the mind and in the spirit. Are, are we together? So this guy, before he started walking, he already seen himself walk. Before he started walking, his perspective has changed. 
Before he started working, his belief system has been reconfigured. And that's what the word of God does. The word of God opens us up to a world of new realities and possibilities. It raises our expectation, increases our confidence in what God is capable of doing and what God is willing to do in our lives. And so when the word of God comes in your direction, it changes your perspective. And then it unlocks your faith for victory. Is somebody with me? The word of God changes your perspective. It helps you to see new possibilities in God. And then it unlocks your faith for victory. And that's what's going to be happening this morning. Praise the Lord. Is this a shouting church? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We'll see. We'll see. So let me get into the core of my conversation this morning. In my journey as a believer and as a preacher of the gospel, one of the things I've realized is that um, many times we do not fully appreciate what the scripture seeks to communicate when we engage the word of God. And therefore, we are not as aware of the operations in the realm of the spirit. John chapter 10, 10 verse 10, a New King James Version. The Bible says that the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Jesus said, I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more, what? Abundantly. The thief has just one assignment. And what is it? To do what? Steal. To kill and to destroy. That's the operation of the devil. He comes to steal. He comes to kill and he comes to destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you may have life and have life in abundance. Let me break that down and ask you the question. How many people really know what the devil is set to steal? And kill. Because when we begin to think about the operations of the devil, we do not realize that majority of the things that the devil sets out to steal are the intangibles. He's not looking to steal your car because you can replace that car. He's not looking to steal your job because you can get another job. The things that the devil set out to steal are the intangible spiritual assets that you possess. And that's what I'm going to be speaking to this morning. Those are intangible spiritual assets. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your peace. He wants to steal your capacity to dream. He wants to steal your hope. I see many people who think that they are healthy, but they are very unhealthy. Pastor Ted was talking to me about how he sort of unpacked the, the concept of disease. You know, that is anything that does not, that puts you in a position where you are not at ease, right? And that is spot on. When the devil comes to steal, his priority are your intangible spiritual assets. He wants to steal your joy. He targets your joy. And there are tons of Christians today that are joyless. Because the devil has robbed them of their joy. There are tons of Christians today that don't have peace. They have no peace of, of mind. And many Christians today, they are not living a life of meaning any longer because their capacity to dream has been impaired. There are many believers today who they have leaked hope. And you know, hope is so vital. I remember the Bible saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the last verse, it says that, um, we're talking about the greatest, uh, he, he said there are three things, faith, hope, and love. Remember that. And I remember asking myself, why would Hope being that equation is funny. How you say power or something more, you know. I, I, and I realized that we don't even talk about hope a lot. Why would he three things? And he said faith, hope, love. I'm like, ah. hope, hope seems to be, you know, sort of out of place here in the ranking. Hope should be like number 15 or number 20 when we want to list spiritual assets. Why faith, hope, love? But remember, the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope gives faith assignment. Wow. Hope gives your faith assignment. Faith gives substance to your hope. Once you don't have hope, your faith is useless. And the just shall live by what? Faith. So when the devil robs you of hope, have you not seen people who are hopeless? Their faith can't engage. You just sit down. No aspiration, no drive. They're not, they're not engaging life with any sense of passion and promise because they are hopeless. So hope is vital. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Praise the Lord. And there are so many connections. I can talk about hope and joy. The connection between hope and joy. 
You remember how Paul was speaking to the church and he said, look, if only in this world we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. When your hope is limited, your joy is also limited. And so, really, those are the things that the devil is after. And I've come to realize that many people are not aware of that state in their lives, where they really are, mentally and emotionally. And that's a disease. That's, in fact, that is a major handicap. And so, when, as we begin to talk about healing, I've come to realize that when your mind is not healed, even if your body is fully functional, you are, you are handicapped, you are limited. And your capacity to fulfill God's purpose and to fulfill the, you know, the assignment that God has given you is significantly impaired. That would not be your portion in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the devil comes to steal your peace. It tries to steal your joy. It tries to rob you of your purpose. You know, it, it, it tries to rob you of hope. It tries to limit your capacity to dream. He attacks your faith. And the symptom of that, we see people who are in depression. We see people who feel hopeless. We see people who are gloomy. We see people who walk with perpetual fear. They're just always negative. They're, you know, they're always anticipating negative outcomes. You know, there's a different kind of fear. Jesus, help me. You know, there, there's a, there's a, the, the fear falls in different categories. And, and, and I need to speak to someone this morning because people have, you know, touted this concept that fear is your friend. Have you heard that fear is your friend? I many people have heard fear is your friend. Embrace your fear. <laughs> You won't find that in the scripture. I hope you know. No, no, no. The Bible never said you should embrace your fear. The Bible said you should fear not. Fear is not your friend. Don't let the devil package fear for you. Fear is not your friend. Fear is your enemy. Every time, you know, God will speak to his son and say, fear not. When he spoke to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, he said, only be courageous. Fear not, fear not, fear not. But the world has come to repackage fear and suggest to us that fear is our friend. You know, true fear is not the, the fact that your heart is racing and your palm is sweaty and you're just a bit uncertain about, you know, um, a particular situation. You're a bit nervous. That is really not fear. And if that's what they're talking about, I can excuse people who are thinking in that life. Fear is a situation that positions you to anticipate negative outcomes. When you are anticipating negative outcomes, you are in fear. And there are many people that are in fear. Their heart is not beating faster. Their palms are not sweaty. It doesn't even look like they are anxious, but fear has paralyzed them. That is why there will be a project in your organization, and they want to get you into that project, and you say, you will give an excuse, but deep in your heart, it's because you think you will fail. Your heart is not beating faster. Your palm is not sweaty, but your mind is paralyzed by fear. Some people will not drive in Regina. Well, Regina traffic is okay. But some people will not drive and they will keep giving excuses. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the reason why they will not drive is that fear has paralyzed them. And the same way fear is holding you in that space, it's holding you in other areas of your life. Are you listening to me? So the fear is subtle. You have to, you have to uncover it because usually it is masked as excuses. Usually you'll find a way to excuse yourself. I don't have time. I, don't, I think I can, you know, somebody else should do it. Um, I, I keep looking for a way to maneuver out of that situation. Even though I see, I'm supposed to see possibilities, but I see failure. I see embarrassment. I see myself being mocked. I see things going wrong, and I see damage to my reputation. So I shut it down. That is how fear works. It is very potent, and it is paralyzing. And that's how the enemy operates. So the Bible says, God has not given you the spirit of fear. How can you tell me you want to embrace fear? I don't understand. You can't embrace fear. You deal with fear. You get into the word of God and expel. The thing is, you need to even identify fear. Because when fear begins to show up, many times it shows up as excuses. You need to unmask, unmask it. And say to yourself, this is fear. This is fear. This is fear. And many people have walked away from opportunities. Many people have walked away from doors, walked away from relationships. You know there are people that will not marry because they are afraid their marriage will fail. But they won't tell you that. Praise God. Am I talking to someone this morning? 
So the devil, the manifestations of the stealing activities of the devil, the symptoms that he's robbing you of something is when you begin to walk in fear, when you're depressed, when you're anxious, when you begin to find yourself thinking suicidal thoughts, when you, when you experience unbridled anger, emotional hijack, when you see people who are constantly anxious, people who worry, you know, they call them warriors. <laughs> they are that kind of warriors, people who worry a lot. I want you to know that the devil is already robbing you of your spiritual assets. It is the absence of those intangibles that is manifesting in those other symptoms. Are we together? It's the absence of those intangibles that causes us to begin to see all of these kind of symptoms. You see people who oftentimes, you know, are dealing with diseases we call psychosomatic illnesses, where there is really no pathogen at work in your system. The doctors can't identify a pathogen, but you are still not okay. You're still, you're still not feeling well. You can't sleep. God is delivering someone this morning in the name of Jesus. I was looking at the Canadian uh, government website yesterday, and you know I saw a write-up on mental illnesses in this country, and, and it said mental illness is experienced by one in three. It's going to be experienced by one in three Canadians during their lifetime. I said, God forbid. <laughs> it said many Canadians are affected by mental illnesses either directly or indirectly. It reduces ability for a person to function effectively over a prolonged period of time because of significant levels of distress, changes in thinking, mood or behavior, feelings of isolation, loneliness and sadness, and feelings of being disconnected from people and activities, anxiety disorders, which cause intense prolonged fear that is not based on actual threat or danger, and on and on and on like that. And God anticipated all of these things and already made a, a, an arrangement for us under the covenant to function differently as believers. Are we together? I am exempted from that experience because I'm a covenant child. But there's an understanding that must underpin that. There's a perspective that must, that must, that must guide the way I engage life, the way I you know, hold on to God's word and the way I walk with the Holy Spirit. The most unguarded part of many Christians' life is their mind. Yet, that is the part that the scripture says we should guard the most. The most unguarded part of most Christians is their mind. Even when we think about sickness and disease, and I want to thank God for Pastor Tej, when he had a conversation with me, and said, look, I want you to speak to this perspective. Many times when people talk about sickness, they're just thinking about, oh, my leg is, you know, aka me, I have back pain, you know, I have this just physical discomfort and disability that I want God to touch. Hardly do people talk about the state of their mind. Yet the Bible makes it very clear in Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23. If you can put the New Living Transition up for me. It says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Can I have that? Guard your heart, Proverbs 4 23, above all else for it determines the course of life. Your heart determines the direction your life will go. It determines your outcome. Ultimately, you look at the state of a man's heart, you already see the kind of life he's going to live, the kind of person he's going to be. And so, if you were the devil, just let's put that on the, you, you get what I'm trying. If you were the devil, you really wanted to limit someone, where would you go? What would you go after? Absolutely. That's what you go after. That's what you go after. Psalm 55. I'm going to be throwing quite a number of scriptures. I just want to please keep pace with me. Psalm 55 from verse 10. Um, New Living Translation 10 to 11. Um, David said this and was so, so profound. He said, was well, speaking about the city. He said, it's war are patrolled day and night against the invaders. He says, but the real danger is wickedness within the city. He says, everything is falling apart. They are investing all their time patrolling the gates of the city. But the real issue is already inside. It says the real, it says the, the real danger is wickedness within the city. 
It says, because there's wickedness within the city, everything is falling apart. Threats and cheatings are rampant in the street. When there's wickedness in the city, when the devil already has gained access into the city, in this case, into the human mind, when he's already given opportunity to begin to steal and kill and destroy, it really doesn't matter what you're doing externally. He says that everything is falling apart. Everything is falling apart. And there are many believers today, they are falling apart from within, even though they look put together outside, even though they have a good job, even though they're in a marriage that's supposed to be decent, even though their life, you know, the things are happening around them that are supposed to, you know, um, give, give them a sense of, you know, possibility and open all sorts of amazing doors for them. But because of what is happening on the inside, everything is falling apart. You see people by their own hands wreck their marriage. You see people by their own hands limit their capacity in the marketplace. You see people by their own hands destroy themselves by taking drugs and harmful stuff by themselves. By themselves. They are not forced to. By themselves. You see a substance, they say this thing can cause cancer and you'll be taking it. And the person will even be arguing with you. You'll be wondering, this person has been robbed of something <laughs> on the inside. There is a disease inside. I don't know whether I get my point. You see someone that is joyless. You know, they say hurting people hurt other people. You see someone that does not, they, they, they want to just inflict their joylessness on, on the people around them. And they, they are not even aware that that's, you know, that that's the kind of vibe that they are giving. The negative energy. Sucking the joy out of a room. God wants to turn that around. Praise God. See, so the real danger is wickedness within the city. Once we allow the devil to run rampage in our hearts, once we ha- allow him to have a filled day, you know, um, planting thoughts, you know, sowing seeds, then everything begins to fall apart. And Jesus, uh, Paul, writing to the church in his letter to um, to, to the Roman church, uh, by extension to us, he made it very clear to us the place of our mental well-being informed by the Holy Spirit. In, in Romans chapter 14, from verse 17 to 18, follow me very carefully. I'm building a case. And I trust the Holy Spirit as I teach this morning. It will cement an understanding in your heart that will guide how you engage going forward. Is that okay? So I really want to teach, and I want you to follow me. In Romans chapter 14 from verse 17 to 18, the New Living Translation. The Bible says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink. It's not about the externalities. Of course, you want to live healthy, eat well, you know, don't take things that will hurt your body. But he says, the, the critical thing, he says, but living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Why, why were those the things he listed? The New Kingdom Version says righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I mean, think about it. Kingdom of God. You don't think about the kingdom of God many times. You it shouldn't be peace and joy he's talking about. He should be talking about power and dominion and authority. And you, you hear what I'm trying to say? And he says, the kingdom of God, he says, look, the kingdom of God is not a meat and drink. It's living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. He says, if you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you. Three things. Righteousness, peace, joy. I like the way the passion transition puts it. If you can get me the passion transition. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of rules about food and drink. It says, but it's in the realm of the Holy Spirit. That realm is filled with what? Righteousness, peace, and joy. It says, serving the anointed one by walking in these kingdom realities pleases God and earns the respect of others. And those are the things that the devil attacks. Righteousness, your peace, and your joy in his efforts to shipwreck our faith. So I want to speak to someone's peace. I want to speak to someone's joy. I want to speak to someone's sense of righteousness this morning because those are the things that anchor your capacity to function in the kingdom of God. And when Jesus came and walked this earth, the package that he brought under the new covenant secured us where righteousness is concerned, secured us completely where peace is concerned. 
secured us completely where joy is concerned. Secured us completely where our mental, spiritual, and physical health is concerned. So in Isaiah chapter 53, uh, from, from, from verse 4, um, one of our sisters read that scripture this morning, and it was such a blessing. Isaiah chapter 53 from verse 4. Uh, this is what he says, Isaiah 53 from verse 4. He says, can you, can I have that in the New King James Version? Is that New King James Version? Let's have it in New King James Version. He says, surely, somebody says, surely. surely. He has borne our what? Griefs. Again, he begins to speak to that state. Before we get to by stress, surely he bore our griefs. Why? Why? Because you're not supposed to walk in grief. You're not supposed to walk in sorrow. You're not supposed to be gloomy. That clouds are not meant to hang over your head. By, by virtue of the covenant, your peace should be assured. Your joy should abound. Is somebody with me this morning? He says, surely he has borne our griefs. If you say something has been done, surely, it means that it surely has been done. Am I right? I don't know which other word is stronger than surely. Certainly, definitely. There's, there's the same thing. There are synonyms, right? Somebody says, surely. He has borne my grief. And he has carried our sorrows. Why are you sorrowful? Why are you joyless? He says, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He says, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. The price, the punishment for my peace was upon him. Jesus asked, what will it cost for them to have peace? What's the price of their peace? And he paid it in full. There is no reason under the sun why you should not experience the peace of God. The price for my peace was fully paid. In nothing will I be troubled. In nothing will I be terrified. I refuse to be troubled. I refuse to be anxious. Because the price for my peace was fully paid. And it says, it says, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes were healed. You know, that scripture has been touching on again and again. By his stripes you were healed. Jesus paid the price for your complete salvation. Jesus did not make part payment. Total package. You know, this is a credit environment, right? So you people are used to part payment. I, I hope it doesn't affect your faith. <laughs> I like Jesus made a deposit, you know. Uh, no, no, he didn't make a deposit. He paid it all in full. It's been fully paid. I want to show you something. Please come. I want to just put this on the screen for you. And I want to show you how, what's really going on. Can you help me with that stool, with that chair? Bring the chair. Yes, and then. So, let's imagine that um, I'm a bride of Christ, right? Help me with that book here. I'm the bride of Christ. And so, I want to paint this scenario. So, Jesus is my husband. Praise God. How many people are bride of Christ? Are you the bride of Christ? Jesus is your husband. Awesome. So, he takes me to a supermarket. Jesus is my husband. He takes me to a, a, a store and... Um, he then begins to buy for me the things that we need to be able to live well and thrive. And so, this is, let's assume that this is peace. Praise God. This is, spaghetti is long. This is a long life. <laughs> long life. <laughs> right there. Okay. <laughs> this is only sweetness, right? Okay. So, this is wine. Joy, isn't it? Joy, joy. All right? Help me. Somebody help me. What else? What else? Oats. I don't know. Marital destiny. Your marriage. <laughs> Somebody help me. What are the things that, you know, salvation makes available? This is tea. What is tea? You know? Health. Okay. Health. What else? Okay. Finances. Yeah. You know, so breakthroughs in your finances, you know? Um, what is this? Strength. Okay. You're never weak. What is this? 
What? Okay, happiness. What else? We can give it any. What else? What else? What are the benefits of salvation? What else? What else? Love. Okay. Okay. Hope. Okay. What about this? We, we just touched finances. Ah, now wow. <laughs> so maybe this is, you know, purpose and meaning and vision, right? You know, what you are living for and all of that. Okay. Maybe this is. Great relationships, you know, God is surrounding with great relationships and all of that, okay? And so we have all of that in the package. So um, we get to the cashier. Jesus brings out his, his card, one of a kind, swipes the card by the blood. God bless you. Swipes the card by the blood. Somebody's with me. And so imagine that my husband, Jesus, um, he needs to get going, like he left, you know. And he says to me, look, I've paid. They issued the receipt, so there's a receipt. And he says, I have to be somewhere else. So he dashes out of the, you know, the grocery store, goes into the car and drives off because he has a pressing engagement. Now, while that is happening, I package all the stuff I've paid for, put it in the, in the basket, and I'm about to head out of the store. And then, no, 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 no. You, you stand here. Stand my way. So, this is, this is my package, paid for. Stand in my way. I want you to oppose me. Just stand. And then, so, a gentleman who's wearing uniform as a staff of the store then comes and says, Sir, you're not going to be able to take this out. I said, Why? He said, Because it's not been paid for. I said, Excuse me. My husband paid. I have a receipt, evidence that it's been paid for. He says, No. You can't take it out because it has not been paid for. What would you do? Just hold on. Eh? You show the receipt and go your way. You show them out and go your way. I like that. What else? You will. You will slap him away. Okay. You will call your, to do what? Okay. <laughs> No, no, so, 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 so it's getting interesting here. What is it that your husband is coming to do that you can't do? Because he's paid. Because it's an interesting perspective. What else is your husband coming to do? You have the receipt. You ask them to call the manager, and then, so that what will happen? You can show, the, in case he can't read, right? Okay. <laughs> What else? What else would you do? I'm, I'm, I'm listening. What else would you do? You, you hold on to the receipt, right? Okay. Anybody else? Is there any... Okay, yeah? You push him out of your way and get going. He has no right to stop you. Interesting. Now, I'm happy that we're having this conversation and I've not had anybody say, I will go and pay again. Oh, it sounds absurd, right? Why would I pay? That has been paid for. Really, it has been paid for, right? So you will not pay again. That's the last thing you would do. Somebody will shove him out of the way. Somebody will call the manager. Somebody will say, I will burn down this store if you don't let me come out of here because I have paid. One thing you're not going to do is you're going to hold on to your receipt, right? This is the evidence that I have paid. There's no other proof. This is sufficient. And I'm getting out of this place with this stuff. What if the guy says, uh, okay, 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 madam, it's okay, but you need to drop this one. Your marital destiny. I'll let you go. Would you leave? No. You won't leave? He says, okay, okay, marital destiny is a big deal. And uh, let me just take your joy. Then you can go this small one, this small one. Will you leave? No. Oh, okay, maybe I'll not take your joy. I will just... Uh, this one is small. I'll just frustrate your career. Oh, you will not leave. Why won't you leave now? But the box is almost full. You're going to go with everything that is paid for. Is that what you are doing in life? Why are we allowing the devil to cheat us? Why? Jesus said, I have paid all, everything, everything. 
no exception. Everything, everything fully paid. Now, someone is standing in your way and saying, no, 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 no. You've got to pay for this. And many people are trying to, they are looking for your own card. They're trying to pay a second time. It vexes Jesus. I know the funny thing. There are people who are looking at their receipt again and saying, did he pay? Let me see. <laughs> long life, long life, long, it's long life. Maybe there's a mistake. Long life, is long life there? Uh, marital destiny, is it? My peace. Honey, did you pay for peace? <laughs> no, but you know, as absurd as it sounds, that is the reality of many believers. They are, rather than seeing that this is my enemy who's not like allowing me to go, they are looking at the receipt again. Is the transaction complete? Because when you are sick and you're saying, God has not healed me yet, I don't understand what that means. When the Bible says, you are healed, some people are even wondering whether God wants to heal them. Do you get what I'm saying? Have you not been there where you are really saying, God has not healed me yet? And God is like, I don't understand. What am I supposed to do? Again. By stripes you why are you asking if he wants to heal you again? It's done. Someone is standing in your way and suggesting that it has not been paid for. And you are buying that lie. I say, ah, God has not healed me yet. When will God do it? I'm, God, I'm, ple- I'm pleading with you, heal me. God, like, I healed you 2,000 years ago. The ball is not in my court. The ball is in your court. You've got to shove this guy out of your way. Someone said, I'm going to bundle him out. Is that not what he said now? I wish you were like that spiritually. What are you doing here? You this sickness. You have no place, no legal standing in the courts of the universe. This is a, what do you call it? An anomaly, injustice. No local standing. You don't. You have no right to be here. And so, whatever Whatever demon sent this guy, no demon sent you in Jesus' name, but you know, whatever element is behind this is none of my concern. I don't care what his size is. If, if he likes, it can be 10 times this size. He's, it has no bearing on my reality. Do you understand? I will not be intimidated by his stature because I have my receipt that says I've been fully paid. It doesn't matter how intimidating it looks. It doesn't matter how deep his voice is. It doesn't matter whether he's wearing sleeveless shirt and I can see his biceps and triceps. He can't touch me. It touches me to his own detriment. Because in the course of the universe, it's been fully paid. It is within my right to carry what my husband has paid for and stroll out of that mall with the full package. God bless you. Please let me take it away. Is somebody getting in this morning? The full package. Without exception. You say you're not going to allow him to take anything from us. But has he not been taking stuff away from you? I am saying it's okay. Somebody declared he paid in full. You will never pay again in your life in Jesus' name. And so, (laughs) as I begin to wind down, I want to provoke someone this morning. What is it in your life as you, as you begin to look, you know, and, and just process your life and your expectations and your outlook? Where, where are you being robbed? Where are you being robbed? And how must you reposition to take that which is already yours? That's the question. That I will stand strong on the word of God. I will be immovable. The circumstance will not deter me. You know, the Bible says we walk by faith, not by And I say to people, once I start walking by sight, I'm no longer walking by faith. And that's usually where the issue is. So I, if I'm walking by how I feel, I am going to be limited because the devil dwells in the realm of senses. And it will try to suggest to you that the things that the word of God has promised is not your reality yet. So my marriage is troubled. I am not 
joyful on my inside. I just don't feel like things are going well. And I want to get into the word of God and remind myself that the chastisement of my peace is upon him. I'm supposed to walk in peace. And so I take charge of that and I begin to speak peace, this peace of God into my heart. And I declare that my peace is intact. And the circumstances outside of me cannot trouble my peace. You get what I'm saying? I stand on the word of God. And then I begin to see the effect of that as the peace of God begins to well up from within me. And it begins to reconfigure my mind. And it is the overflow of that that, begin, that also then spills over to the circumstances around me. I, I, I don't know that you're getting my point. So the devil will try to manipulate circumstances. He will try to manipulate people. And it's, it's attacked many of us at work. Many people today are depressed because of certain relationships that have not worked, certain disappointment. The devil has manipulated circumstances around you and those things have configured your inside. And you are, you are not healthy. You are not sleeping well. You are, you are dejected. You are anxious. There are certain kind of information you have received from outside, from news, from popular media, from social media, even from your office. And some of those things have shaped your mood. They have limited your expectation. You need to get back into the word of God. What, uh, what do I have access to inside this covenant? Will I allow the circumstances outside me to rob me of my reality? I'm a covenant child. Therefore, I, I experience an exemption. My joy remains intact. My peace is not subject to these externalities. Because my peace is locked in Jesus Christ. And he's paid the price for my peace. So I walk in perpetual peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me wrap up by saying this. There's a woman, she's one of the very fascinating stories in the scripture that excites me every time I think about her. The Bible describes this woman as a woman with the issue of blood. Said 12 years, she suffered many things from many physicians. The Bible says, so, but instead of her getting better, she grew worse. This woman, her circumstances suggested hopelessness, her circumstances suggested there's no way out, her circumstances suggested that you know, um, this was going to be her state. In fact, not only did the circumstance suggest that that was going to be her state, she kept getting worse. So the Bible says she spent all that she had on these physicians. And I like to say this. I know there are many people here, you speak good English, right? When they say many, you know they're not referring to two. Two is not many. Many starts from what number? Okay, it's getting complex now. <laughs> I'm not trying to be careful. So, but when you say many, at least it starts from three. You know, and three is the beginning. So the Bible says she suffered many things from many physicians. You know, she didn't just go see two physicians. She probably didn't just see three physicians. She suffered many things from many physicians. And the Bible says she did not get better. She grew. She spent all that she had. And she kept spending. And her situation was not even improving. Her situation was getting worse. Now, this is a woman who you begin to see elements of her, her relentlessness. Her, her desire to live, her passion for, for success. And this woman refused to allow her circumstance to keep her down, even though it was getting worse. I don't know whether you get what I'm trying to say. I want to speak to someone this morning. You need to check your desire level. You need to check your desire level. Because many times, the issue is really that is limiting our faith and our ability to press in is desire. How much do you desire the change that you want? Do you, are you waiting for that change to come and meet you where you are or you want to press into it? Because the provision is there. I don't know whether you get what I'm trying to say. This woman knew that health is possible. She knew she could come out of that situation. She didn't know how, but she knew it was possible. And she was not deterred by the failures. She was not deterred by the failures of the physician. She was not deterred by the fact that her health was degenerating. Someone is listening to me today. You have been discouraged because things have not improved. And God is saying, you've got to learn to hold on. You've got to learn to continue to press. 
In fact, she was not deterred by the fact that she, her health was failing. She was not deterred by the fact that she had not been able to find a physician that could solve the problem. All the physicians were collecting her money and as usual, she was not even deterred that her situation was getting worse. She was not even getting better. And the Bible says, when she heard that Jesus was in town, so this woman already demonstrated a desire that could not be quenched by her circumstance. And the Bible says, when she heard that Jesus was in town, she came in the press. And she was so convinced because this time around, she knew that she has found a way. I have been trying other means because I didn't know the way. When she found a way, she brought all of that commitment, all of that intense desire, she brought it to, to bear. And she said to herself, I'm not even just going to try to get his attention. I don't need his attention. If I can just she had such conviction about the power of God that was available to turn her situation and said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. Her desire was so intense. It was almost like she didn't need Jesus' permission to get healed. You get what I'm saying? I just need to touch. I just need to enter into that zone. And the Bible says when she touched that garment, Jesus stopped. The desire was so intense. Virtue left him without his permission. You know that, oh my God, there are perspectives to the different ways you can engage with the power of God. I mean, somebody said to Jesus, oh, my, my daughter is dead. Jesus had to go travel the way to his house to raise his daughter. Somebody else said, you don't need to come. I know that if you speak the word, you'll be healed. And Jesus said, oh yeah, you're right. Someone said, I won't even talk to you. <laughs> he said, you don't even need to know my situation. Just if I touch you, I know. What I'm saying is, what are you bringing into this covenant? What are you bringing into your relationship with God? You've got to be restless about anything that is not consistent with what the covenant has provisioned for. That's where I'm going. Don't allow the doctors to limit your expectation. The doctors have told you this. That's their own limit. And you know what's unfortunate? Five years from now, they will grow wiser. They will know more. And then they will tell you that they can now solve it. Something that God has solved years ago. You are waiting until medical science catches up before you are delivered. What is the problem? They tell you, oh, this, this illness, we, don't, we can't find the solution. We don't know what it is. And you are waiting until they find the solution. The ones that they found the solution, if they can help you, receive the help. The one that they don't have solution for, go to the person that's already solved it. Praise God. The summary is God wants you free. God wants you to enjoy the fullness of life. God wants your joy to be full to overflowing. In Isaiah chapter 16, from verse 1, he says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. He says, The glory of God is risen upon you. In essence, for the darkness will cover the earth, and God's darkness is people. It means that in your rising and in your shining, God factored in the works of darkness. God factored in the gloominess. Why are we behaving like it's a surprise? You know, Christians who, with religious lenses will read, Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of God is risen upon you. For, you know, and then they'll go through darkness will cover the earth, God the people, but the Lord will rise upon you. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. We emphasize the glory and then we de-emphasize the darkness. So when we encounter darkness, we then begin to look at darkness as though it is an incursion. It is there was no arrangement for it, like heaven is surprised. I'm trying to figure out what to do. I don't know what I get, man. When darkness is already factored into the equation, God said, The dark, can you put it up for me? The darkness will cover the earth and cross darkness the people. But it's in the midst of that darkness you are meant to shine. It's in the midst of that darkness you're supposed to walk in peace and joy of the Holy Spirit. It's in that midst of that darkness. That is what is supposed to be mysterious to other people. Why are you calling a mystery what everybody else is calling a mystery? You need to get into the holy place. Why are you allowing your fear to, to their fear to make you fear? Are you getting my point? Because the Bible says the darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness will be people. But it says, but the Lord will arise upon you in the midst of all of that chaos. So I'm saying to you today, recognize that the darkness is actually an opportunity for you to demonstrate that you're a covenant child. That there's something that is working in your life that makes you an exception. Praise God. And that is the mindset 
with which we must engage the word of God. That's the mindset with which we must engage life in the spirit. This season, God wants us to take a deeper dive into his word so we can better understand and appreciate the provisions that he has made for us under the covenant. Praise the Lord. Somebody received anything this morning? You want to put your hands together and give God praise. I want to pray with us very briefly. I want us to bow our heads at this moment. And I want to speak to you, but I don't know what that disease is in the realm of a mind that you're dealing with right now. Someone you have just been robbed of a capacity to dream and there's restoration this moment in the name of Jesus. God is saying, it is still possible. With me, it is still possible. With God, all things are possible. I want to restore that dream. I want to restore that aspiration. Don't let the circumstances around you, don't let them dictate to you what, what you are able to do, who you are capable of becoming. God is saying, it is still possible. Someone here, you have been so anxious, you're so worried. The news around you is not so positive and you're just, you feel overwhelmed. It's causing you sleepless night. You're dealing with all sorts of health issues as a result of anxiety and panic attacks. Your deliverance has come. God says, I'm your peace. I'm your peace. I need you to hold on to my word. I need you to hold on to my promises. I am fighting your battles. I am fighting your battles. You are not alone. You are not alone. You are not alone. Even though in this world there is tribulation, Jesus said, my peace I live with you. And I declare in the name of Jesus, the peace of God begins to guard your heart from today. In nothing will you be terrified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to just declare this, this morning, I enjoy the peace of God. The peace that passes all understanding in the name of Jesus. Someone, I speak to your mind. I speak to your mind. That thing that is causing you to be restless. That thing that is causing you to just and, and to, to be angry and frustrated, I declare that the peace of God guards your heart this morning. The devil will no longer rob you of your peace. The devil will no longer rob you of your promise in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I command depression to disappear. Ah, the, 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 the depression is a sign of hopelessness. It's a sign of hopelessness. I declare in the name of Jesus. I declare in the name of Jesus. That is being turned around. Hope is being birthed in your heart this very moment. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I speak to you right now. I speak to you right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Whatever tree of hopelessness, whatever suggestion that the enemy has planted in your heart that is, that is causing you to, to imagine failure, to imagine a bleak future, we are put by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I declare the seeds of God's vision and dreams and plans for your heart is being planted in the name of Jesus. Every tree that my God has not planted in your heart is uprooted by the power of the Holy Spirit this morning in the name of Jesus. For someone, I declare that a garment of praise is being placed over you. I declare in the name of Jesus that the spirit of heaviness departs from you now in the name of Jesus. The oil of joy flows freely in your family. In the name of Jesus, the oil of joy flows freely in your relationships. In the name of Jesus, Karama Sukoto, I curse tension in that home. In the name of Jesus, whatever is at the root of the, of the discomfort and frustration, we remove by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I, I, I spoke to someone uh, this morning. Disappointments, disappointments have had a damaging impact on your heart damaging impact on your heart and God is healing that this morning. Your capacity to aspire to pursue and possess is being rebirthed in the name of Jesus. I speak healing to someone whose heart has been broken. I declare that your capacity to love, your capacity to care is being restored in the name of Jesus. Neha Sakataya. You will not be robbed of the opportunity to live life in its fullness in the name of Jesus. Thank you Heavenly Father. We give you praise for in Jesus mighty name we have prayed. Amen. God bless you. Come on, Lofty Heights, you can do that better. You can do that better. It's unto God, you can do that better. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. What a word. What a perspective. Can you just pray for Pastor Debo? Just tell him, he's, he's, he's blessed you. You see something to his life, that of his wife and his children. Bible says, a liberal soul shall be made fat. He that waters must himself be watered. He's watered us, water him back. Grace, more insight, depth, and revelation in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Have you sit in the Lord's presence? You know, this is going to be the very first time in Lofty Heights where I'd receive a guest minister while a teaching series is going on. I usually don't do that because I don't want to, you know, stress the guest to say this is the teaching series we are on and pick something on this. But for him, maybe because of the kind of, you know, relationship that I have with him, I was very confident, assured that I should do that with him. You know, and I just told him, I said, I intend to also touch around emotional, mental healing. I said, I haven't done that. I want you to go into that perspective, into that area. See, the teaching you heard this morning isn't one you listen to once and you feel you've heard. And you see, you don't necessarily have to, hands don't have to be laid on you. Just like he said, I'm very, very certain that something's changed in someone's mind. Because the healing that you desire, the next level must first take place in your heart. Until your mind is transformed, your life can never experience transformation. It begins with the mind. And that was what he spoke into. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Can we celebrate Jesus one more time now? And you know, again, for me, watching him standing here and teaching the word feels surreal for me because in 2018, thereabout, when this church was just a few months old, when we were six people, Delta Hotel, you know, 10 people gathered, just like the, you know, the few, you know, growing in Calgary, for example. One day he reached out to me and he said, you know, there is a DNA of greatness upon your life and upon the ministry. It didn't make sense. I said, what did you say, sir? Peter, you remember? He said, he said that, those were his words, DNA of greatness. So I told him, I said, explain it better. He said, when a work starts, a work that will grow, that God's hand is upon, it's easy to know. He said, this is one of them. Come and celebrate Jesus one more time. I know the Calgary church may need to, you know, discharge right now. And I think um, Lady T should please take over from Calgary. You know, you, can, you guys can take your, um, you know, offerings and all of that, announcement and all of that. Um, because of your time that is pressed. Hallelujah. At Lofty Heights, we don't like it bringing our services to an end without giving someone an opportunity to have a relationship with the Lord. All that Pastor Debo's taught this morning, for example, would make no sense to you except you've accepted the Lordship of Jesus. So you're under the sound of my voice this moment or you're watching online, you're not saved. By that I mean you've never at any point confessed Jesus as your Lord. Or you're not living in a manner, you know, that pleases him. All eyes closed, all eyes bowed. I'd like you to please see after me. And please pay attention before you do this so that you know what to do. Except you are in Christ, you can never walk in covenant. You get what I'm saying? The acceptance of the lordship of Jesus is your first ticket into entering a covenant relationship with Jesus. So it is that covenant that protects, that guards, that guides, that preserves. That's why when the devil comes against you, or like the you know, analogy that he gave, for example, you can say without any other of doubt, Jesus paid for it. You can't say Jesus paid for it when you've not said to him, come into my life. I want you to mean it and I need you to be genuine about it. And in case you've gone away, you know, like that prodigal son that the Bible talks about, you've gone so far away. The Lord's house, you're so thirsty in it. The things of the Lord are no longer enticing and, you know, worthy to you anymore. You have an opportunity to return into your first love this moment. All eyes closed, all eyes bowed. Please say this after me. Dear Father, I thank you for leading me to lofty heights today. Thank you for the word you've brought to me. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. Dear Jesus, I worship you this morning and I declare you as the Lord over my life. I believe you died. I believe you rose again. Jesus, come into my heart. Make my heart your abode. Live in me. Fill me with your spirit and saturate my heart with your love. Keep me in your warm embrace. 
and make me yours forever. In Jesus' name, amen. We trust God that this ministration blessed your life tremendously. Do share your testimony and experience with us by emailing us at hello at myloftyheightsglobal.org. For more life-transforming messages from our ministry, please visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also stay connected with us across our social media platforms at My Lofty Heights. To give to our ministry, please visit our website. We love you, we honor you, and we celebrate you.